0: everyone said praise the lord the writer said bless the lord oh my soul he never said bless the lord oh my emotions because if your worship is contingent upon how you feel then we all know that there's going to be times in our life where we don't feel like breaking through and worshiping like we know we should But the writer said, if you can reach down past how you feel, and you can get into into what you know, then on your worst day, you realize God is still worthy to be praised. He's still worthy to be exalted. Oh, hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Amen. What a tremendous touch of the Holy Ghost in this place tonight. I give honor to your pastor and his family, the leadership of this church. So great to be with you. Thankful for this opportunity. And I do feel the Lord would have me speak a word that would strengthen your heart tonight. The book of 1 Samuel chapter 1 is the location of our reading. And if you'll allow me just a moment, I will skim through beginning with verse number 2. 1 Samuel chapter number 1. Beginning with verse 2, and he had two wives, the name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other Penina, and Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret. Or I would substitute the word worry, because the Lord had shut up her womb. Verse number 10 and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Verse number 12. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Verse 14. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunk and put away thy wine from thee? Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad and they rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the lord i want to preach a little while on this thought the war between worry and worship the war between worry and worship could you lift your hands one more time as we ask the help of the spirit of god lord jesus i feel the witness of your spirit in this place tonight and i anticipate a breakthrough in the Holy Ghost for people in this place. I pray, Jesus, that we would have ears to hear what the Spirit would say unto the church. Oh, God, let us receive this word with gladness and respond to the word of God. We thank you for what you're going to do. Can we clap our hands unto the Lord Jesus Christ and give him praise? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I worship you, Lord. Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated tonight. The war between worry and worship. I want to begin tonight by simply acknowledging the fact that God is still and will always be the originator and the delegator of all power. Human minds cannot comprehend how much power God truly possesses. Keep in mind tonight, That God does not have to go to an alternate source to get power. God is power. You cannot separate God and power for they are one in the same. In fact, the first role that God ever filled was when he stepped over the balconies of heaven and said, let there be and from nothing there came something. We cannot comprehend what a creator is because there has never been a man that has ever created anything. Man only makes things. You say, preacher, what's the difference? Here's the difference. To make something, you have to have pre-existing materials. And you take what you have at your disposal and you put it together and you make something. But a creator, and there's only one creator, doesn't have to have anything to work with. But he can speak it and it becomes. He can speak your miracle into existence and it becomes. He can speak your answer into existence and it becomes. He is all power. Psalm 62, 11 declares God had spoken once. Twice have I heard this, that power belongeth to God lest we began to compare God to something of equal or lesser value I remind you of the words of the silver tongued prophet in Isaiah 43 10 and 11 ye are my witnesses saith the Lord and my servant whom I have chosen that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he before me there was no God formed; neither shall there be after me I even, I am the Lord, and beside me there is no savior. It was this God who robed himself in flesh, who walked among men and performed miracles, who mended the broken hearts and astonished the religious world. In Matthew 28 and 18, he uttered these words that would forever change the course of humanity. All power is given unto me. In heaven and in earth. Thus the name of Jesus serves as the doorway to divine demonstration. With this understanding Paul penned the words in Ephesians 3 and 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. There is indeed a supernatural power at work in this world, unseen by the human eye. Yet for sure we can acknowledge it with our spirit. This power is God himself. And his desire is to show his handiwork in the lives of men. If time would permit us tonight, we could take opportunity and pass the microphone from individual to individual. And you could speak at great length. And tell of the time when there was no way, but God made a way. When there was no answer, but God gave an answer. Maybe maybe you you know of somebody, but I'm sure we could all agree that there has been many, many times when God showed his power in our lives. Now you would think with such unity of mind that there would never be an opportunity for the enemy To create a breach in our faith. After all the miracles we've seen. After the countless testimonies that we've heard. Yet in spite of it all, our flesh still raises questions. When we face an impossible situation. Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you will. There will never be a time in the history of humanity or in the future of humanity where your flesh and God's spirit are going the same direction. Won't happen. Your flesh goes this way and God's going that way. That's why Peter declared, save yourself from this untoward generation. The generation of the world is not moving towards God. It's moving away from God. Now, your flesh, the byproduct of flesh, is fear. And we can jump all the way to, the, to Genesis to find when the Spirit of God left man, what did it produce? Fear. Fear. They hid because they were afraid. Your carnal man produces fear. But the spirit of God produces faith. That's why Jesus said with men or with your flesh this is impossible. But with God all things Are possible. Why? Because the the carnal man produces fear. But the spirit of God within you looks at it and says, hey, God is able to take care of this situation. When your world starts spiraling out of control. It's easy to begin to worry or to fear. Same thing. Over seemingly impossible situations. I have literally seen people that went to church every time the doors were open. They looked the part. They did everything they were supposed to do. Except they were bound by fear. Anxiety. Worry. You can package it however you want to package it. It's the same thing. And stressing out. And they can't break through. They come in bound by fear and they leave bound by fear. I read a recent study that shows a person's anxiety is focused on 40% of things that will never happen. 30% of things regarding the past that can't be changed. 12% of things regarding criticism by others, most of which is untrue. 10% about health, which gets worse with stress. And 8% about real problems that they may actually face. Yet they'll stay up all night and they'll worry and they'll stress about 8% of things in their life they may actually have to face. Worry is faith in the negative, trust in the unpleasant, assurance of disaster, and belief in defeat. Worry is wasting today's time to clutter up tomorrow's opportunities with yesterday's troubles. And my friend, there may be times in your life where you go in the house of God and all you can see is black clouds. But the quickest way to get the clouds to begin to leave is just to begin to worship and to begin to praise and to begin to magnify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you'll feel lighter when you do so. I wonder if we could take a moment right now and just begin to worship God. Just begin to open your mouth and magnify the Lord with me. Hallelujah. 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 I love you, Jesus. You see, worry is usually the result of what we view as a difficult or an impossible situation. We don't worry over what's going right. Brother Bush, no, I never got worried when I got a check in the mail I wasn't expecting. We worry over things that are wrong. Things that we view as impossibilities. Things that we don't have a solution for. Because we are solution oriented people. We want to save God time and tell him how to do it. And call it prayer. We want want to get to the end without having to go through the middle. But we worry. over we, we, We understand how Hannah felt when we joined her in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Scripture says that they went yearly to Shiloh to worship. Hey, this is only one instance. This was a yearly thing for them. Can I tell you that's still the reason that we come to the house of the Lord? Is to worship. And if we come for any other reason... Then we're wasting our time. Here she is coming to the house of God. And every time she's reminded of the impossibility. Because it was a reproach against women in that day to be barren. And here's Penina, and there's all these children. And every time they come to the house of the Lord to worship, all Hannah can see is what God hasn't done. Isn't it amazing? how we miss out on everything God has done and get so focused on what he hasn't done. She was so burdened down by this impossibility. And to make matters worse, the Bible says that her adversary also provoked her sore. To make her fret or to worry, enemy wouldn't leave her alone. It gnawed at her. It ate away at her spirit. How many Hannahs have sat on church pews and you came with, with with intentions to worship, but the whole time you were at the house of God, all you could do was worry over that impossibility. How many times have you went to prayer and you knew you were supposed to be connecting with God, yet all you could do was worry over that impossibility. Hey, there's Hannah's on every church pew. There's Hannah's in every, every building. Because we, we try to approach God through logic instead of faith. As long as you try to live for God based on human intellect, God can be no bigger than your mind. You shackle him with the chains of human reasoning. You quarantine him with, and confine him within the limitations of what you can comprehend him doing. But the Bible says that his ways are higher than my ways. And his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. It's not my job to figure everything out. It's my responsibility to believe that God is still on the throne. And if he's made a way before, I know he'll do it again. Yet we find Hannah, and I can put myself in her spot, trying to go to prayer. And trying to worship, and all I could do is see what God isn't doing. God, how many times have I prayed and you haven't moved yet? God, how many times have I believed and I've, I've named it and I've claimed it and it hasn't happened yet? Come on, somebody, I'm trying to, to get your eyes off of that thing that God hasn't done. We can get so blinded. Here was a woman. He, She didn't pray for five minutes. She didn't pray for ten minutes. But the Bible says that she poured out her soul before the Lord. Here was a woman that was in such grief and such agony that the priest looked at her and thought she had been drinking. And she said, oh, you don't understand. I'm just a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I've prayed so much now my mouth is moving. But the voice is on the inside. Have you ever been in the place where human words could not express how you really felt on the inside? When the only way that you could tell God how you felt was through tears. And you pled with God. Here she was in a war between worry and worship. God, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. But you've got to understand I'm human and all I'm doing right now is I'm blinded by the impossible. I'm blinded by the thing that isn't leaving. All I want is you to burn something in me. Yet God, I come to the house of God year in and year out. And the the situation is still the same. Yet here was something that transpired that changed her countenance. And it changed her direction. What was it, preacher? She got a word from God. My friend, if you could understand that God knows right where you're at. And he gave you a word that said, I am not a man that I should lie. Neither am I the son of man that I should repent. You can stand on that word. And you'll go from worry to worship. You see, that when she got a word from God, the Bible says she rose up in the morning early. And worshipped. She got back to her purpose. She got back to doing what she knew she was supposed to be doing to begin with. The enemy wants to get you out of your worship. He wants to get you out of your rejoicing. Because worship is the voice of faith. But worry is the voice of fear. God knows right where you're at. It's hard for us to comprehend how God can, can know right where we're at in the midst of everything going on. God does know right where you're at. I I, I was reminded recently, I was preaching in San Diego just maybe a month ago, month and a half ago. I was out there for a healing revival on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And the church is a church plant. It's been going maybe 10 or 11 years. They're running 30, 40, 50 people, most of which are first generation apostolic. So I started the first night very, very elementary in this regard. I preached on the power of faith. And I just broke it down as simple as you can about believing God. And at the altar call, I had them all come lined up and we began to pray. And it was one of those services where it was almost effortless. The power of God just saturated that place. And when I was done praying, I come and stood. I went and stood in front of the pulpit. And I had the microphone just like this. I wasn't trying to talk into it, but it, was, it just happened to be there. And I closed my eyes. And I, I just began to pray in the spirit. And it was just like a water faucet turned on. And it, it, it was like it wasn't me. And when it lifted, I put the microphone down and I, and I gathered my belongings and I stepped off to the side. Well, the pastor came up to the platform, to the pulpit. And he said, everybody was still across the front. He said, who here is having problems with your foot? Your foot gave way, your foot gave out, something happened with your foot. And I just assume that he's following after what he feels, but nobody's raising their hand. And if you've never been in that type of situation, it can be kind of awkward. And so I'm sitting there, oh God, let somebody say something, you know, got a hangnail or something. And, and finally he said, well, maybe you sprained your foot. Well, there was a guy there who said, well, I, I, I'd sprained my foot. And he said, I believe the Lord healed you. But you kind of left going, hey, something's not adding up with this right here. Okay. God, what's going on? So after the service is over, everybody walks back to their pew. And one of the ladies had a text on her phone from her sister. Now, her sister is from Nebraska. And she's expecting twins but is also battling cancer at the same time. Now... Her sister was on her way to San Diego to be in that revival, believing God was going to heal her. However, during that service, during all that that was going on, she was in the Denver airport, and her foot gave way. And she fell. And there was worry about the twins, and she she busted her face all up. And I'm thinking, here's a woman from Nebraska, in Denver, we're in San Diego, But God sees her foot give way. So we get to the office. Now the pastor is in his 50s but did not come to the Lord until he was 28. And his life was consumed with judo. He was an alternate in the 84 Olympics in judo. He was a champion he went and lived in Japan, studied the culture, lived and trained over there, knows all the language, knows all that kind of stuff. So we get into the office, and he looks at me, and he goes, bet you never had that happen. And I'm, I'm confused. I don't know what he's talking about. I'm waiting for more. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, the foot, the foot gave way. Okay, well, I'm still lost. I don't know what you're talking about. He said, what you didn't know is when you were standing in front of the pulpit praying, three different times you were praying in the Japanese language for someone whose foot gave way. And the only reason I walked up there is because I listened to you pray in Japanese. And the Lord spoke to me and said, and the Spirit maketh intercession for us. You better understand, you may think that God doesn't know where you're at. But God has you on his radar. And he has an answer on the way even when you don't think it's going to happen. Hey, Eli never told her when it was going to happen. He just said, here's your word from God. It's going to happen. We want the when and we want the how. But God doesn't have to give us the when or the how. We just have to believe that he's able to do it. And our worship is based upon faith that God is going to make a way when there is no way. I remember when I was when we first started evangelizing, we launched out, and 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 we got the we got an RV, and if you, the quickest way to have a testimony is buy you RV. You'll find out real quick. There will be plenty of things to pray for, especially if you're trying to live in it. And 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 I was I was uh, I was in Mississippi, and I, I went to set up my RV, and I said. When I got out, there was a crack on the side of my RV. And that crack wasn't there when I started. And, and I don't know anything about RVs. Other than I found out what RV stands for. It stands for Ruins Vacations. And I started calling people that knew about RVs. And, and, and you ever heard these people in life? They call themselves realist. We're just being real. Let me give you another word for that. Negative. I've never had any of these realistic people tell me God's going to take care of it. And, and man, I'm telling you what, by the time they got done talking to me, I was scared to death to even drive this thing 10 foot. They told All that thing could come apart driving down the road, break into two pieces, and go all over the interstate. And I'm, I'm, all I see is dollar signs. I'm like, oh my goodness. So I leave Mississippi and I'm headed to Houston to start a revival. And I drop this thing off in sulfur. And... And we've moved all of our belongings into my mother-in-law's house, praying that God would do a quick work. And I go over there to Houston, and I start the revival. And they tell me, a couple days later, they call and say, well, Mr. Stevenson, you have a, it appears that you have a crack in your frame, and it's going to cost $7,600 to fix this crack. Well, I don't have $7,600 sitting around. And I told myself, well, you know what, we'll just, we'll just uh, claim it on insurance and, and let them take care of it. So the insurance calls me a few days later and says, uh, Mr. Stevenson, we have denied your claim because that is just normal wear and tear on an RV. I would love to tell you that angels came and ministered to me as soon as they hung up the phone. But I was looking for any fiber of Holy Ghost I had inside of me. I had people telling me, this is what you ought to, you ought to write every person that's a somebody. You need to email them a letter. Isn't it amazing how you got all these people that tell you how to fix your own problems, but they can't fix theirs? And I I went on an email campaign. If there was a somebody in that company, they got an email from me. Still didn't change anything. And so I had people telling me, you need to get you a lawyer. I thought if I had money for a lawyer, I'd fix the crack. And, and I'm I telling you, they had me so worked up. I'd go to church mad. I'd leave church mad. I'm sitting here praying, God, I, don't you see where I'm at? God, don't, you know, this ain't my recreational vehicle. This is my home. I didn't have another home. And I'm living with my in laws, which is, you know, this is what it is, you know. You know, the difference between in laws and outlaws is outlaws are wanted. Finally, I told him. I said, go ahead and start working on it. And this was about a five-week ordeal. And towards that week number five, they're still working on it. Within those five weeks, over $5,000 came handed to me, unsolicited. Right before that happened, I was sitting at lunch. And I asked the pastor in Houston, I said, you know any good lawyers over here? And he said, son, why don't we let God handle this? I thought, well, there's something unique. I've been telling people all over the country to do that. That's called faith. And and they called me after that $5,000 came in. They called me and said, Mr. Stevenson, it's not nearly as bad as we thought it was. It only cost $1,700 to fix your trailer. I said, When it was all said and done and I'm back in my trailer and everybody's happy, I I was praying and I said, now, Lord, why in the world did we have to go through that? Now, the insurance could have took care of that and it would have saved me a whole lot of heartache. And the Lord spoke to me and said, because if your insurance would have covered it, I would have received no glory from the miracle. See, when you try to figure it all out and you try to put all the pieces together and you try to make it happen like you want it to happen, what you're doing is robbing God of the glory that comes from the miracle. If you would instead just begin to worship your way to a miracle, you can worship your way to a breakthrough. You can worship your way to a situation that you didn't know how God was going to work it all out see, worship will work when nothing else will. Give me scripture, preacher. There was a woman who came to Jesus and said, Lord, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Oh, son of David. She came worrying. She came begging. And she even tried to appeal to his deity. Lo, Lord, thou son of David. And look what Jesus did. And he answered her not word now we're not talking about a preacher doing this this is the lord god of glory half of us would backslide if jesus did that to us he didn't even stop he didn't even hesitate he just kept on rolling because worry does not move god fear does not move god bible says perfect love casteth out all fear and here's this woman realizing my, my answer is fixing to get away. And what I'm doing isn't working. So I better change my approach. Lest I'm stuck with this situation the rest of my life. And the Bible says, then came she and worshiped him and when she began to worship Jesus put on the brakes woman I'm not even supposed to have anything to do with you but when I hear somebody worshiping me I will step across all the barriers I got to step across your answer is on the way I've come to tell somebody tonight you may have been in here worrying but if you can just begin to worship him I got a feeling God is going to answer you why don't we take a moment right now and begin to Worship him and begin to praise him and begin to magnify him. Lavo sata riya yada la bahaya la bahaya. la boho koho ye bahaya Iandori on do loboyo. Hallelujah, Halleluja. Hario yondoriya yanda yando lobo shata yanda haya. Kiorio lobo sotohoyo. Hallelujah. 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 Stand with me all over the building. See, when the children of Israel were staring at an impossible situation called Jericho, God gave them one requirement. Don't you say a word until you're making that last trip on that seventh day. Why would he why would he put such a a stipulation? Because he knew the heart of men. Because the power of life and death is in the tongue. Because we can speak our way up or we can speak our way down. And when you get millions of people trying to go somewhere they've never been before, their mouth is going to start moving. And they're going to start expressing their displeasure and their lack of confidence in what's going on. And if that starts happening amongst these people, God said, you know what? They'll never conquer their impossibility if they're, all they do is voice their negative. If all they do is speak themselves down. So he said on that last time around. You're going to open your mouth. And when you begin to shout and you begin to worship, that impossibility is going to get out of the way. Now, hear this preacher tonight. The hardest time to shout is when the wall's still standing. But that's what faith is for because your faith motivates you to begin to worship when you don't see the answer, but you believe it's on the way. I but God, I don't see the miracle. But my faith causes me to worship you anyhow. Hardest time to shout is when you're still sick. You're still broke. Come on, I've been there. I didn't have two pennies to rub together. I remember, I remember musicians, you could come. I remember several years ago, I went to pull my trailer to Texas City, Texas. And, 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 and what I'm fixing to say was not the wisest thing I ever did but we all have these moments it makes for great stories I hooked up I spent every penny I had that's not evangelistic that is the literal truth I spent every dime on this new hitch that everybody told me you got to have this hitch and I was praying we were leaving on Friday and I was praying I'd get paid on Sunday and I'm going down the road and black smoke starts billowing out of my tailpipe at a 03 Ford, 6.0, first year of that. And and I don't know nothing about trucks, okay? I don't know anything about being a mechanic, nothing like that. I was upset because it was getting my trailer dirty. That black smoke just billowing out. So I get to I get to Beaumont, and that black smoke turns to white smoke, which means nothing to me. I said, Lord, if we can just get to Texas City. I'll get find somebody there to work on this thing. I get about nine miles until I get to Winnie and that thing starts doing the huckabuck on I-10 and I realize we got a problem I pull over on the side of the road I don't know anything of what to do I just throw the hood up universal sign for help just put the hood up and I put my family out on the feeder road and I'm just standing there I'm thinking God we got our wires crossed somewhere because I was praying for a financial blessing and now I'm in a bind call my insurance do y'all pay for towing yep thank you Jesus but you gotta pay them first and give us a receipt not good I don't have no money capital B broke Lord what do you want me to do God stops a man going eastbound says turn around and go see what those people want never seen this man before he comes up he says what's wrong I said I don't know smoke everywhere oil everywhere won't start that time my phone rings and it was a tow truck company that I had called earlier and he looks at me and says give me the phone never met this man but what do I got to lose here he took my phone walked to the back he comes back and he says that man wants $200 to tow you to the Ford dealership in Beaumont okay he says here's $120 and when we get to that gas station over there and we unhook your trailer I'm gonna give you the rest of the money I said sir I'll mail you a check my insurance will pay you back he said don't you say a word we get over there he brings my family all my kids inside they come out with armfuls everything we would never buy them they come out that gas station like it was Christmas time I mean they got loaded up he comes up to me and he gives me $200 I said sir all I needed was $80 more he said don't you say a word that's your money now my faith's starting to get a little pumped up God's got this until I get a call on Wednesday lady calls me for preachers bad news usually comes on Sundays and Wednesdays this was a Wednesday and and lady calls me and says Mr. Stevenson it appears that you have blew up your engine in your truck it'll be $15,000 put another engine in your truck I just started laughing at the lady on the phone I said ma'am I didn't even pay $15,000 for the truck I guess she thought I was just going to write her a check maybe she thought I was a pastor not an evangelist no I'm just picking I said how much do I owe you she said 200 bucks I said don't touch it don't go do anything else in that truck I said I'll be there and we'll we'll pay you for what you've done I could take you to that little prayer room in Texas City when I hung up that phone, me and God forevermore had a talk about that truck. I told him, Lord, that's your dumb truck. I don't want that piece of junk. I gave that thing to you when we started evangelizing. I, and I just told him everything. I was blinded by the impossible. I don't know how long it was, 15, 20 minutes. Finally, God knows my heart. I, I, I'm, not being, I'm not being insincere. I, finally, I sat down against the wall. And I turned my phone on to some instrumental music to calm the evil spirits. And I said, Lord, I'm done talking. It's time for you to say something. I sat there. I would have sat there all day if it had took God all day to talk. And I just sat there and and, and listened to music with my eyes closed. I don't know how long it was. But finally, the Lord spoke to me. and He said, Tyler if you will pray as hard for revival as you just prayed for your truck, I'll take care of your truck and you'll have revival. And I stood up and I said, Lord, I won't say another word about that truck other than thank you, Jesus, for taking care of my truck. What was God trying to do? He was trying to get my eyes off of the impossible and get them back on where they belong I went and picked that thing up with a guy from, from the church there I, we, we brought, a, we, brought a, uh, we went to a guy there that works on those Ford trucks they found a truck for an uh, 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 engine for $7,500 used which 10 pounds off a cow is still a cow but it was a little easier to deal with we said go ahead I had people come up to me and say what you going to do I, I didn't have no money God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. But I have a word. I got a word. God's going to take care of this. Within five weeks, over $10,000 came handed to me. I had people calling me, said, Brother Stevenson, the weirdest thing happens. Every time I think about you, all I think about is money. And I said, Brother, don't you quench the Holy Ghost. You better obey what you feel in the Spirit. What are you you saying, preacher? I'm saying God has a way. When it looks like there's no way, it's not up to you to figure out how he's going to do it. But can your faith lead you to begin to worship him even when you don't understand how he's going to work it all out? Now in this place tonight, there are people facing a host of needs. Facing a host of impossibilities. Situations that maybe only you and your husband or your wife know about and God. I can't tell you when. I can't tell you how. But I do know this. God has never failed. God has never messed up. God has never regretted or made a mistake. I wonder tonight if we could step out of our pews and make our way to an altar and throw our hands in the air and say, Lord, I've come tonight to worship you according to your excellent greatness according to your mighty works come on the greatest thing you can do to the enemy is worship your way to a miracle is praise your way to a mig- I don't understand how I don't understand when but I know a God who is worthy to be praised I know a God who is worthy to be exalted he is worthy he's going to make a way he's going to provide he's going to turn your situation around oh I'm just going to pray him for it, I'm gonna worship him for it. Oh, Ria, la, Mosata, hiya, Come on, let the black clouds roll.